Thank you, John. Thank you to my small uh, but enthusiastic fan club. Thank you, John. Now, I'm so glad to see all of you here today. Welcome in Jesus' name to Pebble Creek Baptist Church. So glad to see you. Great crowd today, great crowd in the balcony. We have friends today from, uh, first of all, from Augusta, Georgia. I'm going to embarrass them, the Norids, Ray and Julie. Wave your hand at least. They were in my church in Augusta, Georgia, dear friends, and love them. Thank God they came all the way up from Augusta, Georgia this morning just for this service, and we're grateful for that. And then Richard and Esther are here. Raise your hands, please, this sweet uh, young couple, dear friends of ours, and uh, from Ohio, and uh, been with us this weekend. And Esther's daddy, Richard's daddy's a pastor, but her daddy is a pastor friend of mine from Germany. And uh, I may have told some of you, not all of you, but she is from a uh, people group called Russian Germans. And uh, it's another story for another day, but a people group of about five million in uh, Germany who uh, have had a kind of a dual ancestry historically. And I don't know if you know this, Esther, but it's about five million people now in that people group. Now you know. And, uh, but anyway, we're so glad they're visiting with us from Ohio today. But I'm glad all of you are here, and we have a number of people who are listening over the Internet, for which we're always grateful. And uh, we hear from many of those people throughout uh, the week. A physician friend of mine called me last week. Um, hadn't heard from him in years, but he says he listens. And he ought to be here today, but he's just frightened. He's just a kind of a scaredy cat, and I hope he's listening. Uh, as um, I say that, but he was wanting me to help him, uh, particularly with African-American churches, to establish some vaccination locations uh, and, uh, among uh, people of color who have been inordinately affected by the virus. And so I'm helping him connect with some pastors to do just that. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. No, seriously, if you're over the Internet, we have some people outside today. We're grateful that they are listening over our little radio broadcast into our parking lot. So no matter how you're here, I'm grateful that you are here. Today uh, is a little different in this portion of the service because as I've said to you by email, and if we don't have your email address, we need it because we communicate, uh, try to very uh, faithfully with you any way we can, but email is the best way for us to do it on a weekly basis, quickly. But as I said to you, today is entitled State of the Church Day. Now, uh, last week, uh, our governor gave us the State of the State address. Governor McMaster down there in Columbia told us all about what's happening. How many of you listened to the State of the State address? That's what I thought. One, two, that's what I thought. Uh, and uh, Governor Kemp in Georgia just did it, and uh, the governor of North Carolina, I don't know if he did it or not, which is my beloved home state, uh, but it's gone a little crazy in recent days. But anyway, today is State of the Church. And I want to begin with some uh, statements. And let me begin by saying that God is blessed, my wife Dale and I, to be able to be here with you for now a year and a half. And uh, as some of you know, some of you were here when I came. And there were uh, a few people here. Uh, the church had gone through some difficulties 
and there were 17 people the Sunday I came, the Sunday before Father's Day of 2019. But you've been faithful. And uh, in fact, I would challenge you, you would not know who those people are and who the new people are because they've intermeshed and loved each other so, so beautifully. And that was my goal, my hope. But God brought us here, and I'm so thankful uh, that he did. And we've seen some things happen. Uh, and I want us right now to go into, we're going to go into a church business meeting. Now, how many of you love business meetings? One. Thank you, John. That was not true, but thank you for saying that anyway, John. I appreciate that because he's my fan club, so he knows he's got to say yes to whatever I ask. But, yeah, we're going to go into business meeting because I'm going to talk to you today about God's business, okay? Is it an official business meeting? No. So just relax. But I want to talk about God's business. What's God doing at Pebble Creek, and what does he want to do at Pebble Creek? We're going to look at a few statistics, I'm, uh, and I, I'm not one of these people that apologizes for statistics. Why? Because statistics represent people. First of all, I just want us quickly to look at what's happened attendance-wise in 2020. Now, I know all of you would say, well, man, that's been quite a year. That was COVID year. Yes, we're well, well aware of what COVID has done in local churches. But I just want you to see that our average attendance uh, last year per month was, uh, excuse me, that's not quite correct. It's average weekly attendance, 124. We averaged one, uh, each month 124 per week. Let's say it that way. So I want you to know that. And by the way, in your bulletin, you have a, a handout sheet that has monthly attendance on it. And it will show you that in January of last year, we averaged 100 per week in the month of January and that by the end of the year we were averaging 142 per week during the month of December so we've been growing even during the COVID-19 ridiculousness so God has been blessing us in attendance he really truly has our online attendance is growing uh, so uh, pretty dramatically as well as our in house attendance let's just talk about some giving averages real quickly monthly average of giving in last year was a little over $34,300 now do you, does anybody in here remember what our average monthly requirement was last year that's what I thought $25,000 so our average giving per month was $34,300 plus for which we are deeply, deeply grateful. Let's look at this a little deeper. Total budget giving last year totaled 411000 plus. We're grateful. And then we had another offering that was given often. Many of you participated called Restore, and it was to help renovate. And that total was a little over $44,000 last year. So combining both the Restore and the budget giving, it was right at $455,000 last year, for which we are grateful. Now, let me just, before you go on, Ashley, let me just say this. I want you to know that we were able to meet the ministry needs of Pebble Creek Baptist Church in 2020. In addition to that, in the latter part of 19 and in 2020, we were able to renovate every square inch of this entire facility. 
and that is almost complete. We've got to do the parking lot and a few other smaller things. But we were able to see every inch of this place, every new window, every, everything in here is brand new. In our educational area, everything is brand new. And we are able to do this without borrowing one single dime of money because of your faithfulness, because of your faithfulness. Now, I just want to say some of the things that happened with this. Again, statistics are statistics. It represents lives touched. It represents ministries performed. Let me just tell you a few things that are not going to be on the screen. In addition to the fact that everything has been renovated in this entire facility, our church is Southern Baptist. We gave to a cooperative program which supports international missions across the entire world, over $20,000 last year. We give to the North American Mission Board offering. We'll come up to that in just a moment. But we also give through the cooperative program to help church planning efforts in every major met metropolitan city in the United States. 32 focus cities starting churches in every part of North America that we also support heavily our local association which encourages local churches. Uh, we're one of the largest givers now to our local association. So all that was done. But because you gave over and above, other things happened as well. We were able to give additional money to Piedmont Women's Center, over a thousand dollars, no, I think it was two thousand last year to Piedmont Women's Center or something like that. And then to the Taylor's Free Medical Clinic. At the end of the year, we gave another $1,000 to them. To the, to the Greer Community Center, which is a food bank, clothing ministry, we gave thousands of dollars to them last year. We're able to do a lot more at the end of the year because of your faithfulness. We gave to six local churches who have food banks thousands of dollars last year. I could go on and on. We helped individual churches in this area because there are a lot of hurting churches. Did you know 32% of church-going Christians quit going to church during COVID? And I'm talking about not even joining online. 32% of church-going Christians stopped. Churches are hurting all across this area. I want you to know Pebble Creek's been able to help churches. End of the year, I had a, a pastor friend call me I guess he's a friend, I've never met him, but he's a pastor, okay, in the area. Say, we need help with a Cambodian pastor whose car has 300,000 miles. We found a car, could you help with it? Well, we paid almost all for that car, by the way, because an individual was able to step up to the plate. So sometimes I may call you, and I know you need to give more. I may just call you and say, give it. Now, I will usually say, I'll help too. But if I call you, you just got to get your billfold ready, okay? But we were able to do so many things. In addition to all that, we gave almost 70, over 1700 to what's called Mission Dignity, which is a special offering we took up which helps retired missionaries and retired pastors who are really hurting financially. We did that. We gave over $2,600 in addition to the North American Mission Board offering, which is planning these churches, in addition to the cooperative program money that we gave every quarter. And then in addition to that, we gave over $5,000 to international missions to help support our missionaries, 3,500 missionaries across this world as they are touching the lives particularly of 
unreached people groups, UPGs, underreached and unreached, UUPG groups. So just know God used you in a mighty way, okay? We did a whole lot of things. That was in addition to the 455,000 that I mentioned earlier. Just be reminded though, 2020, we raised up our budget to $430,000. Some of you are right now saying, well, why didn't you raise it up? You brought in 455. Why are you starting off in the next year with 430? Well, because we don't know what's going to happen now with President Kamala Harris soon to take over. Did I say that again? My wife gets so embarrassed when I say things like that. But I said it and I mean it. But we don't know what's going to happen economically. We don't know what's going to happen in the area of religious freedom. Uh, they're already attacking, I've told you, they're already attacking freedom of speech. It's already big time in process. The next thing to fall is freedom of religion. So just know we will stand strong. We will not back down, back away from proclaiming the gospel as the Lord commands us to. But we will have a budget of 430000 We expect to go over that. But again, what do we do with the overage? We give it away. What do we do even when we go, we don't even usually spend the budget. We give that away. We're not in a savings and loan business. We're in a giving business. And so I'll be talking to you more in just a moment about what we're going to do in the next year. But I want you to know those are all human metrics. And they're important because they speak about lives and lives touched. There's another uh, thing I want you to see. In 2019, we only baptized one person. But in 2020, we baptized five persons. We're fixing to have a baptism, and some of you need to say, Pastor or Kevin or Tim, sign me up. I need to be baptized. I have never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. So right about Easter time, we're fixing to have another baptism, and it's going to be a lot more than five. And so we're excited about touching lives, seeing people come to Christ. Those are God's metrics, my friends. Now let's look at God's metrics even more. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Have you ever heard the phrase, short end of the stick? No, you haven't. You're too young for that. But old folks used to know about the short end of the stick. Now, what does that mean? Now, I will tell you, I'm not that old, but I had relatives who lived in the middle of nowhere. And yes, I remember, even as a child, going to Grandma Page's. Now, Grandma Smith was uptown. She had indoor plumbing. You could turn a faucet and get water. Some of you kids think I'm joking. But my Grandma Page, you still got water up out of a well with a bucket. And everybody drank out of the same gourd. Yep. Shared germs all the time. Didn't hurt nobody. But if you were to carry that bucket inside and you wanted your brother, and I have a brother who might be listening. My sisters are listening. My brother's not as spiritual as my sisters. But my brother's younger than me, but he's always been bigger than me. Taller and much bigger. So if we carried that bucket on a stick, do you know what happens if you're shorter? That bucket slides down and you carry most of the weight. So you get stuck with the short end of the stick. Well, Paul probably felt sometimes like he got the short end of the stick when he wrote this text. And yes, we, I preached on this last Sunday. Some of you didn't listen good enough, so I'm redoing it for you. I'm actually not redoing it. It's a different look at the same passage. 
We did have a disruptive person here last week. Some of you have been talking about that today. And yes, you remember that, Jake? Well, we don't want to be disruptive, do we, Jake? No, we don't. And this young man uh, was disruptive. He could not help himself, in all honesty. And uh, so y'all weren't listening to me anyway, so I just thought I'd have to redo it. But Paul sometimes thought he was getting the short end of the stick. And we're going to talk about why he would have felt that way. In fact, if you really read Scripture about what was happening in this instance, Paul really had been humiliated. He had been put in, in, in jail, in stocks. He was humiliated in front of his friends, his church people here in Philippi. It was an awful experience, and he felt, no doubt, could have felt like he had the short end of the stick. But look with me and see what he said about this church in Philippi. He said, first of all, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Grace to you and peace from our Lord. Verse 3, I, thank, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and, I have, and you are all partners with me in grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how I deeply miss all of you. Isn't it good to be missed? He said, I deeply miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment so that you can determine what really matters and so that you can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with all the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, when Paul spoke these words in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Yes, his mind went back to that time when he set sail for the coast of modern-day Turkey, ancient Asia Minor. And he went to that place called Philippi where he established a church. You remember what I said last week? He had three church members. One was the jailer who had come to Christ. Read about it in Acts 14. Another one was a lady named Lydia who was a seller of purple goods, cloth. And the other was a young girl, a young woman who had been demon-possessed but had been set free by the power of the gospel. And those were the persons who began this new church in Philippi. And what a church it was. It was really Paul's favorite church. He loved them so much. He deeply loved them, but they not only loved him, they kept helping him. In fact, they had sent Epaphroditus along to bring an offering to help Paul in his time of difficulty. And so he again and again used words such as what? Joy, rejoice, 
and rejoicing. That was the constant refrain throughout the book of Philippians. So as we study this great book, please remember that Paul was in the midst of terrible, short end of the stick circumstances, and yet what did he do? He talked about joy, rejoicing. He talked about rejoice. Well, three thoughts quickly come to mind how Paul felt about these people. And I want you to remember these. First, we're going to see that he had them in his mind. Second, we're going to see, and we'll come to that in a moment, but he had them in his heart, and then he had them in his prayer. But first, he had them in his mind. Now listen to me, because this is our, we're still in business meeting, right? Doing God's business. What I'm asking for you to do in 2021 is to ask God seriously, not just in this service, but after we leave this service, I want you to beg God to give you two people this year, two people that you will minister to, first of all, maybe a Christian that you don't know well, maybe a person you like, maybe a person that you don't like. Paul said, I have you in my mind. You may say to some people, well, he's on my nerves. Well, it may be a person on your nerves, but I want you to pray, God, who is it that I can get to know better in 2021 that needs encouragement, Brother Tim, that needs somebody? Now, I don't have anybody walking around behind me like, who'd you say that was, Mike Tyson? Wasn't he a wrestler? Okay, I know who Mike Tyson is. Hardest punching man in the world. I do not want to get hit by him, I'm going to tell you. But everybody does need encouragement. Who is it in 2021 that I can get to know better that I might encourage? Somebody that I can have on my mind, have in my heart, have on my prayer list. And then I want you most of all to beg God to give you somebody that you does not yet know the Lord. That other person might know the Lord. But I want you to pray, God, give me somebody, one person that I can lead to you, that I can at least spend time investing in and inviting at least to your house. God, give me somebody in 2021 that I can reach out to that is outside the kingdom. And they may be antagonistic to the kingdom. They may not be even open yet. But God, give me somebody that I can love and I can invest in and invite to your kingdom. God, would you give me those two people, somebody that needs encouragement, ministry, and somebody that needs the gospel. Paul had the people of Philippi in his mind. Look at verses 3 through 6. He could have been thinking just about himself. As I said in Acts 14, 15, 16, we see this memory of Paul go back to Philippi. I said 14, it was 16. A memory that could have produced sorrow because he was arrested and beaten. He was humiliated. But instead of saying, oh, woe is me, I got the short end of the stick again, Paul has joy when he thinks about his experience in Philippi. Every thought about these people brought him joy. They shared the gospel with him. They shared ministry with him. And he prays. What does he pray? You've been my partner, but I pray that God will carry on. Verse 6, he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. How does God carry on to completion the work that he has going on in your life? How does he do it? We're going to look at three things real quickly. Put them up on the screen if you can, uh, Ashley. First of all, we're going to see salvation 
includes the work God does for us. And I want you to read that out loud. Don't put the other one up yet. Read it out loud. Salvation involves a threefold work. The work that God does for us is salvation. Do you save yourself? No. Coming to Pebble Creek Baptist Church save you? No. Doing nice things for the pastor? Well, you can try. Uh, you know, you can try. But, okay, no. God saves you. He reached into your heart somewhere, sometime. You may have been a little boy, a little girl. But through the Holy Ghost of God, he came to your heart and he said, I want you. I want you. And you may remember that time when he called you in your heart. Some of you are not there yet, but you need to know God is the one who does the work. He saves us. So the work of God that he does for us. The second part of this work that needs to go on is called sanctification. Read that out loud with me. The work of God does in us is sanctification. That means the process of growing. That means growing up into the Lord. It means to become one in Him. It means to keep on becoming more like Him. Sanctification means to be made holy. What does that mean? It means to be set apart for God's usage. So a second part of the work, after He saves us, He just gotten started. He wants to sanctify us, grow us up into Him. So that's the work God does in us. Now quickly, third, there's another part of this work as he carries it on to completion. Read it out loud. The work of God does through us is service. So these Philippians had been saved by God. He was growing them and he was using them. And Paul said, I just pray he keeps it on till the day of Jesus. And I know, I'm confident that he will. And he did, didn't he? So I ask you real quickly, leave those up just a second, Ashley, honey. Let me just ask you, are all three of these things happening in your life? Are all three things happening in your life or have happened? Has he worked a work of salvation in your life? Is he done that work for you? Is he in the process of sanctifying you now? What have you done to submit your life so much to the Lord that you say, okay, Lord God, I know the work's not done. But God, I feel that sanctification. I sense it. I see it. I know it. And God, I'm a willing participant. I'm not going to get drugged, <laughs> dragged screaming into this. I am a willing participant in you making me useful for you. And number three, what are you doing to serve him? What are you doing to serve him? God, how can I be used of you today? It may be something I've done for years, but it may be something new that you want me to do in 2021. You may never share the gospel with anybody in your life. Maybe 2021 is the year for you to find someone that you're going to be able to have coffee with and lunch with and set them down to share the gospel. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Well, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. But you just start off by sharing your testimony. Here's what God did for me. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Here's what he did for me. Has anything like this ever happened to you? Oh, friends, Paul had these people in his mind. Quickly, moving on. I'm almost going to preach too long today. Do you think I ever watch the clock? Don't have one. No, I don't watch it. Number two, I have you in my 
heart. This is so important. We talked about it last week. I won't talk about it as much now, but he moves deeper from having people on his mind. He says, I have you in my heart. It's right for me to think this way about you because I have you in my heart. And you are all partners with me in grace. We talked about last week both imprisonment and in the defense and establishment or confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I miss you all. And I yearn for you with all the affection. We talked about that. Remember? The seat of emotions, the bowels, King James says. He's talking about, I yearn for you deeply. I miss you. Have you ever really missed someone? I mean, you just miss them so. You just can't wait to be around them again. Paul missed the Philippians just like that. His love for them could not be disguised. It could not be hidden. Why? Because, you see, Christian love is the tie that binds. Christian love love is something God does do in us and God does through us. But you need to know he evidenced that love. He, He was suffering for them, by the way. He really was suffering for them. Because you see, Philippi was a Roman colony. And how Paul dealt in his dealing with the authorities would have an impact upon the other believers. So he was suffering for them. Well, how can Christians learn to practice love? Well, Christian love is something we don't have to work up. It's something that God does in us and God does through us. You see, it was not Paul's love being channeled through Christ. It was Christ's love being channeled through Paul and we need to permit God to do his good work oh he said I have you in my heart wouldn't it be great if we felt toward other believers like that wouldn't it be great if we loved lost people like that I have you in my heart I I miss you when I'm not around you Dale and I I shared a picture with her this week of a young man I baptized here but from Augusta a man I'd led to Christ I used to just miss the boy. I'd call him. We'd call. We were just friends. He, we were friends 16 years before he gave his life to Christ. I loved him as a lost man. Lost people need you to love them. They need to have you to have them not only in your mind but in your heart. And we ought to be concerned about them. And yes, we even ought to forgive them. Quickly and last, Paul said. Not only do I have you in my mind, not only have you in my heart, but I have you in my prayers. If you look at 9 through 11, uh, he references once again the joy in his memories of these dear people. And he had a growing love. He had a prayerful love. And there was joy in remembering them before the throne of God. And let me tell you, if you really love somebody, you're going to be praying for that person. And once you start praying for them, you'll find amazingly how much more you care about them. Jesus even went so far as to say you need to pray for your enemies. Who are you going to pray for this next Wednesday? Jesus said pray even for your enemies. Now, I'm not saying who your enemy is, but you need to pray 
pray, pray, even for people that you say, I would never like this person in a million years. Pray for them. Paul said, I have you in my prayers. It's a prayer for maturity. What does he pray? Quickly, he prays they might experience abounding love and discerning love. Two different kinds of love, abounding love and discerning love. He also prays that they might have mature Christian character. The word pure is in there. It means open to the sunlight. He also prays they would have mature Christian love and character and be blameless before the Lord. And fourth, he prays that they might have mature Christian service. What does he pray at the end? I pray that you'd be filled with the what? Fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Yes, we said last week. Why? Always to the praise and glory of the Lord. But listen to me. What are the fruits of righteousness God wants Pebble Creek to bring to the throne of God? I believe he does want us to bring more people to him that need encouragement. And there are so many people. Do you know how many floaters there are out there that have no church home anywhere? Thousands, even in this area, that need somebody to encourage them. Had someone on Wednesday night tell me of some people they knew. Well, let me tell you something, friends. This is the church. You'll be encouraged. This is a church full of imperfect people led by an imperfect pastor serving a perfect Savior. We need in 2021 to see more lost people come to Christ. Men and women, boys and girls, to give their lives to Jesus Christ. You see, we're in a day and time in modern-day Christianity where social gospel is more important than evangelism. Where doing, helping people is more important than sharing the gospel. I have a PhD in ethics. I love social issues. I love social ministry. I love to help poor people. I'm telling you I do. But let me tell you something. You're leading them straight to hell if you don't tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You hear me? That's a way to lead people straight to hell is by loving them straight to hell. And they go to well, hell well-fed, loved and warm, but you never shared how can you know Jesus? Our gospel work, the fruits of righteousness that Paul is referring to, I want us to see that personalized as we minister to the hurting and to the lost. And yes, continuing God's metrics, I want us to help hurting churches more in 2021 than we ever have. I told you a long time ago, we're going to be known as the church that helps other churches. So if you know of a church needing help and they are willing to get help, let us know. We'll do what we can. We're still a relatively small church, but we can do a lot because of your faithfulness to help other churches. But most of all, we want to see strengthened and pray. We want to see strengthened our prayer ministry one for another. So can you say about anybody right now, I've got you in my mind, I've got you in my heart, and I have you in my prayers. I have you in my mind. I have you in my heart, but I also have you in my prayers. That's what I believe God wants us to do in 2021. That's God's business, isn't it? Okay, the business meeting's over. But the work's starting, right? Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your metrics that you've shared with us today of what we need to do, who we need to be, 
and how we need to see it accomplished. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to serve you, for giving us another chance to reach people who need encouragement and who need the gospel. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.